on today's third and run podcast we're back with the second episode so earlier this week it was reported that the ncaa is discussing four potential start dates for their 2020 2021 basketball season with many meetings and deliberations to come i'll give you my take on that and why the sport is handling covid extremely well compared to their colleagues on the gridiron also nick saban has passionate words about why he wants to play the season these words that are continuing to make the Big Ten look absolutely terrible. And finally, the 2020 preseason AP poll was released. We have real football to talk about, so I'll go in-depth into the poll and give a couple key takeaways. All right, music. Welcome back to the Third and Run podcast. Today is Friday, August 28th, and the NCAA again has a clear plan in place towards starting their winter basketball season. What's the key word here? The key word is plan. They have meetings, they have committees, they have votes by those committees, they have meetings between the committees, they're using the timeline available to create a clear plan and move forward towards starting the season. Now the dates of this don't really matter, but what matters is the process. But anyway, the outline of their plan is that on August 31st, there will be a meeting between the men's and women's oversight committees. Then in the first week of September is the target date for a season model to bring to the Division I Council for a vote. On September 16th, the Division I Council's vote on how and when to conduct the season. Immediately afterwards, there will be votes by the men's and women's basketball oversight committees then October 13th or 14th, a meeting between the NCAA and the aforementioned council to create a timeline and a plan to play the season. They have a process, they're deliberating, and again, they're using the time. So the Big Ten had five months to do something like this. They had five months when COVID first struck before, maybe even a little longer, before their season had to take place. But they made their decision in a week. And they made their decision with the presidents of the schools and it's been reported a lot that a lot of the important people to the sport, such as the ADs and the coaches, weren't informed, they weren't in the loop, they weren't really consulted, you know, about this decision. They made their decision in a week, and they didn't give the time, they didn't use the time, and they didn't really allow time for more information to come out. And as I talked about on the first episode, this information did come out. And then in the last week, even more significant information with this new testing method that doesn't require a lab. 15 minutes, super quick affordable, really key with situations like this for sports teams, for businesses. So now it's been reported today, and this is just all the Big Ten circus, that the coaches are, this is reported by Bruce Feldman, that the Big Ten coaches are on a meeting call, and he was told that it's a real possibility that the Big Ten may try to reverse course and play later this fall. You have a Milwaukee Journey Journal Sentinel writer reporting that a new target date is the week after Thanksgiving. They're going back and trying to reverse the course, which is an awful look. It's a circus. They made the decision quick. They didn't allow this new information to come out or even consult important people. And now, in the public eye, they're looking even worse. And I bet they thought, they say, hey, we canceled the season. You know, it'll look good in the public eye. If anything, it's, it's looked absolutely terrible. You go over to the Pac-12, where, by all accounts, they had a better process, and no one's mad about it because they weren't secretive about it. They, they were upfront. They were open. And... 
the decision was made and people are behind it. And obviously, this is not the same with the Big Ten. So this is why this basketball thing will work, or at least the right decision will be made and people will be behind it, is that you see you see this uh, the oversight committees, you see the votes, you see a lot of different significant groups of people getting together, talking about it, using the time allowed. It's, it's the timeline that's key. They have a clear timeline towards starting the season. And at least if they still deem it unsafe to play, everyone else will understand that it was the right decision and they made it for the right reasons. So there are also coaches chiming in from, from, from around the Big Ten football saying about how and, and when and, and why they want to play. People are, fi- people are coming together for a decision, but still these aren't the people for Big Ten football that, that decide this. It's the president's. So Warren and the presidents panicking towards a decision is the complete opposite of what's happening in college basketball right now, and it's great for the sport. So staying on the gridiron, you, you see what Kevin Warren and, and the presidents did and how it's different. It's, it's the complete opposite. They, they panic towards the decision while 13 of these 14 schools are still set to welcome kids back. And now the Nebraska parents have, have sued the conference. They've sued the conference about canceling the season and the conference put out a statement the big 10 did saying that they one of the reasons was they wanted to protect the surrounding communities and not play the sport if you want to protect the surrounding communities 13 to 14 schools shouldn't be welcoming 30 to 40,000 kids back to campus the hypocrisy in this makes absolutely no sense and i talked about this in episode one this is more about how basketball is on the right track but everything that's coming out is just uh painting negative light on kevin warren and the big 10 leadership it's terrible the basketball situation right now, it's deliberate. It's purposeful. They're using the time, again, given to them before the season. And and as we in Philly would say, they have a process, and, and I'm trusting the process. You need you can trust this process. You can't trust anything Big Ten football is doing. You see all these leaks. People are leaking information to try to get conferences to cancel. You see leaks now that they're trying to go back and, and play earlier. You can't trust what they're doing. And that's really really not good for the future of the Big Ten and college football while you look over to basketball and, and they're on the right track. They're on the right track. So the Big Ten's looking worse by the day. And again, it's the decision-making process and how they got to the decision. That's what's bad. So hopefully, I can only hope, we can only hope that the spring football season receives the same attention that basketball is giving their season, that they, they map out a timeline. They actually talk to different people involved other than the presidents who honestly how how i see it the presidents are working all summer to try to plan a way to bring students back they probably don't care as much about football so why are they the only ones making this decision so what else what else does this all say what else does the basketball situation say first it's that everyone's working together everyone's working together and that's what you need during a time like this you can see the leadership you need the leadership but you need unification more than anything and you see that you don't see that in football you have three conferences set to play two not so also with basketball, there are many committees, there are many voices heard. Again, a lot of a lot of perspectives coming in. Football doesn't have that. The unification's there. And all of this is just making me, again, trust this process. I'm trusting the process and I'm I'm very optimistic about basketball happening in a safe way. And this is all just making the Big Ten and Pac twelve look worse by the day. Now I can come on and say that. You know, I don't see the difference between starting in early September and November, December, because what's going to be different then? Well, the testing is obviously different, but but that was different before even September started. 
but now they're going to move to play indoors. All these, everything about the football situation just makes no sense. But this basketball news is great for the season, for the future of the sport, and that's something in this in this age, college sports aren't looking great, and there are a lot of question marks around it. That's one huge positive to take going into the winter and going into this year. So I'm going to shift to this now, and a lot of this talk is is really about the Big Ten canceling their season and kind of the doomsday in college football, but that's realistically all we have to talk about right now. Like, man, I would love to, to be here and preview a season and, and talk about Jack Cohn's senior year because if you follow anything I write, you know you know my thoughts on that. I absolutely love him. I, I, I think that he's the best thing the Badgers have had at quarterback since Russell Wilson in 2011, but I can't do that right now. What's happening right now is the Big Ten is a dumpster fire and, and the reactions have to come from that because there is no season to preview. So Nick Saban had, had pretty strong words recently about, uh, in a press conference about why he wants to play a season. And Alabama is obviously set to play. They're in the SEC. This is about the players, Saban said. Everyone acts like we want to play for the money. We want to play for the players. I want to play for the players. We have a lot of guys on our team that can write a lot of value for themselves by playing this season. These guys have worked really hard to try to create and accomplish something here as a team. All these things to me are important for the players. I want to play for the players. I know it's important to the fans. This is really about providing an opportunity to the players. So I I, I completely believe him. And I think something that a lot of people are talking about now is about the money. About how playing games without fans will be really detrimental, all this stuff. The sentiment here isn't about the money. For the coaches. For the coaches, for the players, for the parents. This isn't about the money. The conferences are losing a lot of money anyway without fans. But... This is about the future of the sport, and it's about the players. It's about the people involved. So you see in the Big Ten, and we obviously are going back to the Big Ten with this, is that Nebraska players are, are suing the conference. They're suing the conference, not about... Now, you thought that the first lawsuit the Big Ten would receive with all this would be about player safety, as in the players are playing, someone gets it, they sue, or concussions or anything like that. But no, this isn't about the safety. It's about not playing. And the response, as I said in the previous segment, was that it's to part of the reason in canceling was to protect surrounding communities and move forward towards a safe season in the spring, which personally I don't think can happen, both with the fact that you can't play, I don't know, 20 games in, in eight months or that now you're going to be playing indoors or outdoors when it's negative 10. People in Madison, Wisconsin would, would understand that you can't play a college football game in late January in Madison. So the hypocrisy in this is insane. And a big flaw here is obviously amateurism. You know, like the NFL, they're employees, so they can, they can sign a waiver, and it's not this amateur sport, which has a lot of gray areas. But the sentiment here for the coaches, the, for the people directly involved with the sport. Now, the ADs and the presidents obviously have a lot more issues at hand, and money is definitely one of those issues. But the sentiment, it isn't money. It's not politics. It's, it's the players. It's for the players. And you can politicize this and say that they're playing in these states. They're not playing in these states. And those are higher up decisions. You know, we already have the, the president and governors supporting the We Want to Play movement and saying, yeah, let them play. But for the people directly involved with this sport, don't, don't blur this gray area saying that, that they want to do it for, for a political statement, you know, uh, against the leadership or, you know, play because they want to support the leadership of the country. It's about the players, the people that are directly involved with the sport, the coaches. They want to play for the players. They want their players to get the opportunity, you know, to, to show something on the field. Hell, Joe Burrow, if he hadn't played last season, he wouldn't have gotten drafted. 
goes up to be the number one overall pick. These are opportunities that coaches, especially big time coaches like Nick Saban, they recognize. They recognize them and, and they understand the value in playing the season. And if you don't, you, you have guys like Rashad Bateman and, and Sean Wade, you know, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. They're going to be first round picks no matter what. But you have countless guys that are maybe projected late seventh, undrafted, that show something in their last year, vault themselves up the draft board, and, and that's their career. So for the people directly involved, they like the, money. Money isn't the biggest thing here; it's the players. So this is a constant theme, obviously, around the sport, where you have the parent protests, you have coaches and ads talking about playing for the players, mainly coaches. Um, again, the the Joe Burrow thing, but you have you have Randy Wade who was at the parent protest. He's the father of Ohio State cornerback and lock first round pick, Sean Wade. He went on the Aaron Torres podcast and it, his son is, so the question was, his son's a first rounder. Why are you fighting for a season? And, and and he just said, these kids have dreams. These are things that they want to accomplish things as a team. These kids have dreams in the NFL and taking that away from them, this is from the perspective of the parents, is 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 wrong. So the decision was obviously made about liability and and about optics. In my opinion, optics being being the forefront of it. They didn't want something to go wrong, the conferences and the schools. They didn't want something to go wrong and, and have that blame. But honestly, it's backfired where it's a worse look that they aren't playing because everyone closely involved wants to. And us as fans obviously want them to play safely. But, but the most important thing is the people closely involved. I don't think anyone in the Big Ten is supporting their decision. Anybody. You have a Michigan player just trashing trashing the absolute hell out of the conference's leadership. So the Big Ten thought that they would cancel and avoid lawsuits, but the absolute opposite has happened. They thought they'd do so without this public backlash. The opposite has happened. And people want this for the players. Literally everyone does. So what if, theoretical world here, what if the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 play a successful season? What happens? First of all, the optics are that they care more about the players than, than the Big Ten and the Pac-12 do. Second, recruiting is going to be effective. And, and that has to do with the optics. Is that Let's say you're a player coming out of high school, especially like right now in this time, and, and you see the Big Ten not playing, and, and you see all, all these players and coaches mad about it. Then you see the SEC play. Hell, I would go play in the SEC because they care more about me. This is, there, there's no win for, for anybody, for anybody here. Like the sports affected by this, the recruiting's affected by it, the optics, none of it's good going forward. And I'm saying that a lot, but this isn't something where this, this call was made and they're like, oh yeah, we'll play later and it'll be totally fine. It's not going to be totally fine. Now they're talking about early November, which is, which is A, impossible because if you're playing early November, so now you're getting close to you know the other season, but you're still separate from it. I don't get how any of it works. And people are talking about, oh yeah, but you can't have players playing while, while schools aren't on campus. Welcome to every single winter break. You have basketball team playing games. You have basketball team practicing. That's how college athletics works. And, and if people are saying that, yeah, maybe it's about the money or it's politics, why now people are pushing back on the decision? No, this is about the players. And, and it really, there are other, there are other variables here, but, but it isn't really about anything else so i'm done with this with this big 10 ranting i hope i'm done with it obviously more stuff will come out that'll make me more angry and paint shed more light on you know the problems with the conference and 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 what what happened 
honestly what happened in that week more will come out i probably won't be done but finally we have some real football to talk about here but quickly before i do that i want to touch on one final thing that i almost passed over so sean callahan tweeted yesterday sean callahan is the publisher of huskers online which is a rivals nebraska site big time college football writer he, his tweet, and I'm going to read this verbatim, he says, Big Ten attorney Andrew Luger argues that, quote, harm would be incredible if board of directors documents were made available to the public just because eight student athletes disagree with the decision. He said the court is asking for something with no precedent. What's the key here? He says harm would be incredible if the documents were made public. Either the Big Ten's hiding something, which I think they are, something went wrong, they don't agree with what happened. They they wish they could go back and do it differently. But I would love to see, I would, I would love to think about what's on these documents. I would love to see these documents. And I would love to see the backlash on the conference after people really see what happened because because it, it, it couldn't have been good. There's no way you have your lawyer out here saying that the harm would be incredible if these documents are released, if, if there isn't something really negative in those documents. But that's that's all the Big Ten talk for today. So finally, real sports to talk about. Thank goodness. So the 2020 preseason AP poll was released recently. And this poll with the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Your Wisconsin Badgers are at number 12. And they will probably stay there the entire season. Which is, I tweeted this, the most Wisconsin Badger thing I have ever seen or heard in my life. So the rankings are as follows in order. Clemson number one, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, LSU, Penn State, Florida, Oregon, Notre Dame, Auburn, Wisconsin, Texas A&M, Texas, Oklahoma State, Michigan, USC, North Carolina, Minnesota, Cincinnati, UCF, Utah, Iowa State, Iowa, and Tennessee. There's your top 25. Side note, Tennessee being at 25 is also the most Tennessee thing ever. They're going to have a couple big games, maybe win one, and then end at like 24 always happens anyway i've i've three three main takeaways from this ap poll and i love reacting to polls i personally think the preseason poll is one of the stupidest things of all time because you're ranking teams based largely on their performance from the previous year and not on what is to come this year and then it really weighs heavily as the season progresses it weighs heavily as in you have a team that's up top they don't play anybody they won't move down while other teams are showing a lot more on the field. And that happened with Clemson and Ohio State last year. Aside from the point, three main takeaways from the poll. Number one, voters still love the Big Ten, even though they aren't playing. You have Ohio State in at number two. You have Wisconsin at 12. You have you have Penn State in the top 10. Michigan is ranked a lot higher than I thought they would be. Minnesota, Iowa. Voters still love the Big Ten, even though they aren't playing. And you also have Pac-12 teams, Oregon, in the rankings. But I, I was surprised by this. I thought either a lot of voters wouldn't include them or they would include them lower. And it's going to be really interesting to see as the season progresses how this progresses with Penn State in the top 10, Ohio State number two again, how how that changes as the other teams are playing and they're not. I mean, the, the previous thought always in the AP poll is that, oh yeah, if the team doesn't lose, if the team doesn't lose, excuse me, then they don't move down. So we'll see if, if Ohio State stays top five, which would be hilarious if they don't play. Um, but I have two really underrated teams going into this season based on this poll. And they're for similar reasons. And they're Texas A&M and Texas. So both teams were 8-5 last season. And I think they're ranked a little lower because of that. 
but they they both had had nearly impossible schedules. But now going into this year, first A and M, their offensive line is made up of four four out of the five offensive linemen are seniors. You have Kellen Mond back at quarterback, five seniors on defense. It's a veteran team. And a key this year, I've talked about this a lot, is that you need to enter this season with experience at key positions because the preseason is is weird or non-existent. You know, you don't have these out-of-conference games to, to get your new players right. So having that talent and that veteran talent is massive. But this is the crazy thing about this team is that last year, 2019, they had to play number one Clemson, number eight Auburn, number one Alabama, and this is obviously at the time they played them, number four Georgia, number one LSU, and number 25 Oklahoma State. They had an absolute gauntlet, went eight and five. Now this year, they still play number three Bama, eight Florida, 25 Tennessee, six LSU, and 11 Auburn. But first, you you don't have this juggernaut LSU team. You don't have Clemson on the schedule. The schedule looks a lot better. They have a lot of veteran talent at key positions. I really like where they're headed this year. Second, Texas, very similar situation. You have Sam Ellinger back at quarterback, Heisman contender, Heisman dark horse. Um, You have three upperclassmen on the O-line. And 2019, exact same story with A&M. They played six LSU, six Oklahoma, 20 Kansas State, 13 Baylor, number 12 Utah. And they barely lost to both LSU and Oklahoma. This year, only three ranked teams on the schedule. It's Oklahoma with a new quarterback, number 15, Oklahoma State, number 25, Iowa State. So the schedule looks a lot better. They return Ellinger going in. I I really like Texas and Texas A&M, maybe not to contend for a national championship, maybe to sneak into one of the final playoff spots or outperform their preseason ranking. My one, finally, final takeaway, my one overrated team this year, it's LSU. I don't think they should be ranked number six. So 14 players were drafted from their team last year. And their team last year was an absolute juggernaut. You know the Joe Burrows and the Justin Jeffersons, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Grant Delpit. Their entire core went to the NFL. First of all, it's almost impossible to replace those players in a year. And especially this year, I just said it, but you need this this experience at key positions. So you're going forward with, with 14 new starters or more without out-of-conference games or without opportunities to get these guys right a new quarterback new running back very young offensive line they'll be good they'll obviously be good but number six is too high so also last year they had they played florida auburn and i'm sorry this year they play florida auburn and a&m away and in the sec they might have you know 20 percent capacity at some of the games and overall just teams don't recycle talent this quickly you even see alabama when they bring in a new quarterback they have a down year for them, and that means they don't win, which is insane to say. But when, when teams have their entire core drafted, it takes a year or two to get back to the top top. So I don't think LSU will be contending for the playoff this year. And with this weird preseason, it's all about veterans. It's all about veterans at key positions. So I like LSU. I like where their program's headed, but I don't see them. I think six is too high. I don't see them contending for one of the top spots. All right, that's that's your podcast for today. I'll be back with you next week. Also, big news, I I will be on the live airwaves at WSUM 91.7 FM Madison, Fridays from 12 to 2. Similar vibe to this, a little more college football focus because it's a two-hour show, and hopefully there will be a sport being played. But check out my work at Badger's Wire 
on Twitter, thebadgerswire.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Z Kenny. You can follow the pod at third and run pod. Thank you for listening. I'll see you guys next week.